John chapter 8, and then Ephesians chapter 2. The, these two passages are, in these two passages, Jesus in the first one is addressing the Pharisees, and then in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is addressing two com- a completely different kind of people, but there's the same basic message here. And uh, the title of the message this morning is The Children of the Devil. And it's a, it's a title I hope that will get our attention. It's a message that I hope will get our attention. For those uh, who are lost, I hope that it is a, uh, a sobering reality of your place in this world in light of God, how God views things. And for those of us who are saved, as is stated in Ephesians chapter 2, what a joy it is to no longer be a child of the devil. Um, John chapter 8 and verse 39. Please stand with me as we read these two passages. John chapter, chapter 8 and verse 39. And remember, once again, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees who hated him and wanted to kill him. And it says, They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do, notice this phrase, ye do the deeds of your father. But notice he does not yet say who their father is. If it's not Abraham, then who's, what father is he talking about? Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? Mm. And then notice this. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar, and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinces me of sin? If I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. Once again, you are of your father, the devil. Have you believed in God? If you do not believe in God, if you've never trusted in God, then the devil is your spiritual father. Now turn over to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. Love this passage. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air. That's talking about Satan. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all. Notice he says, we all. What was Paul previously? He was a Pharisee. He was one of the kind of people that Jesus was talking to in John. But he's writing to a bunch of former pagans. And he says, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You may be seated. What a wonderful passage this is. This is where I want to be this morning. This is where you should want to be, is as a saved individual, as a person who has been born again, as one who God, who is rich in mercy, loved us and saved us. That's what we want to rest in. What a joy it is to no longer be living our life according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. What a joy it is to no longer be a child of wrath. He says we were the children of wrath. I'm no longer a child of wrath. Are you still a child of wrath? This morning I would like to point out an alarming fact from the word of God. All those who have not yet believed on the Lord Jesus Christ have a religious leader, and that is the devil. It should shock the senses of anyone who is outside of Christ. If you have never repented of your sins and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, come from any kind of religion, it doesn't matter. You have 
more in common with Satan than you do with God. You do the works of your father, the devil. We're known by our works. And Jesus was telling the Pharisees, you do the deeds of your father. And uh, um, lost people, pagans, lost Christian people, anyone who has never been saved does the deeds of their father. Anyone in their right mind does not claim to be a Satanist. Nobody just runs around. Most people, there are Satanists. But most people don't run around just telling everybody, hey man, I just want to let you know uh, I've, I'm a Satanist. I follow the, the teachings of Satan. Nobody does that. Oh, people, sane people don't want to admit that they follow the teachings or the systems of Satan. Satan and that is good. But the sad reality is that the masses have been fooled and they don't know that that's exactly what they're doing. They're following the systems, the religious systems, the religious or the the philosophies of men that come from Satan himself. In order to be saved, I've, I've mentioned this before, I've preached this many times, in order to be saved, the gospel is the good news. But in order to really understand the good news, we have to learn the bad news. And the bad news is what our spiritual condition is. How we are completely separated from God outside of Christ. How we are in a state of condemnation. How we are currently the children of wrath. Until a person realizes that they're lost, they don't know that they need to be saved. And until a person realizes that they really follow the teachings and the system and the, the world philosophy, that it really comes from Satan, if you are not on the side of Christ, you are on the side of Satan. There's not a lot of alternatives in this world. Satan would like for the world to believe that there are many ways to God. But the reality is there is only truth and untruth. There's only righteousness and unrighteousness. There is only one God. There is only one way to God, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. But Satan has created this lie. He's been lying to mankind since the garden. Yea, hath God said. And so then... Oh, we come all the way down to where we have to be told the realities of life. We as human beings have to be told this is what's really going on. Jesus had such an unusual, the only one who had this ability. As a man, he was the son of God, but he was also man. And when he spoke to other men, he could tell them exactly what they needed to hear so that they might be saved. We all come from different backgrounds. People come from different religions as we're out in the world. People come from a lot of different backgrounds. And, uh, oh, but Jesus was able to deal with people and tell them exactly what their need was. Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus? He was a religious leader. He, and, uh, he thought that he was okay with God. And the first thing that Jesus did is just address the fact that, except a man be born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. He can't enter. He dealt with his need. He thought he was okay, and Jesus told him, you're not okay. You need to be born again. And, and Nicodemus was so convinced. He ended up realizing, I don't even know what it is to be born again. What does that mean? You see how unable for man, man is to come to God unless God intervenes and shows him the way? Here's a man who knew the scriptures. Jesus is like, aren't you a, you're a leader of the Pharisees, and you don't know this? God has a real way of being able to speak to a man's heart to tell him, this is what you need. Then think about the the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and he said, he made the mistake. See, man has all these ways that he wants to approach God. And the, the, the rich young man, he comes to Jesus, he said, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, the premise is messed up. There's no good thing that you can do. That's different than the Philippian jailer who just with an open-ended question asked uh, Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It was open-ended. But the rich young ruler said, What good thing must I do? He was already doing all these good things, and he's like, There's got to be that one more good thing, and then I'll be good. He was trusting his works, and didn't Jesus address exactly what his problem was? And he rebelled, and he went away sorrowful. He didn't want to hear the words of Jesus. The Pharisees here, they think that they're good people. There we are, Abraham is our father. And then they doubled down. They said, well, God is our father. 
Our Father's God. And Jesus dealt with them so directly. Think about this. These people believed that they were right with God. In fact, they believed that out of all of creation, they as the Jews, they were the only ones that were right with God. And then they were at the tippy top because they were the religious leaders of God's people. And they thought because of their works and the keeping of the law, the way that they had interpreted it, um, that, they were, um, that they were right with God. They were self-righteous. And Jesus is addressing the fact that um, because you reject me, because of the deeds that you do, because you do not believe the word of God, because you do not believe who I am, you're actually of your father, the devil. Now you can understand why they wanted to kill him at this point. But Jesus told them exactly what they needed to hear. He didn't sugarcoat things. He dealt with people. I wish that we could deal with people when we're witnessing to people in such an exact way and in a proper way. So that, But the word of God is adequate, is it not? If we just teach the word of God and so forth. And so let me go ahead and get into the message this morning. He said these, these jarring words to these Pharisees who thought they were okay with God. He says, you do the deeds of your father. First, I want to consider the religion of the Jews in Jesus' day. You remember how back in the Old Testament, before they were carried away captive, what was the primary way in which the Jews would fall into sin and God would judge them? Is that they would fall into idolatry. They would start worshiping the gods of the Gentiles and their neighbors and so forth. And some of the idolatry that they fell into was wicked, wicked practice. Even to Manasseh sacrificed his sons and made them walk through the fire. And, and you read about the horrible, horrible things that, that the Jews would do in leaving God and how they abused the temple and the things of the temple and, and the Sodomites. And, and by the time Josiah became king, the Sodomites had built their houses right next to the temple. And you, and you hear about all those horrible things back then that the Jews were doing. You would think that those religious leaders of that time, the prophets of Baal, would have been more of their father the devil than the Pharisees. Right? Those were the wicked Jews. But Jesus is telling these Pharisees who... See, when when the Jews were carried away captive and they went into captivity because of the rebellion, because of their departure from God... And when they went into captivity, when they came back, they never, to this day, they have not followed after Gentile idols. They learned their lesson. But what they did, and what, here's what Satan did, is while they were still in captivity, they began establishing this legalistic system. And they began, depending more, they created this oral law, the oral traditions and the Talmud, and, and they, they began trusting more in the keeping of the law to save them than recognizing that the law was there, as Paul says, it was just there to be our schoolmaster. It was just there to show us, here's God's standard of righteousness, and the, and the purpose of the law is to show us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and so forth. But they then began, over the next uh, several hundred years leading up to the time of Christ, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came along, and they, and, they, and they began to come, they developed and established this, this uh, legalism. It's all about the keeping of the law. And they're still stuck in that system today. And that's what Jesus was addressing here when he said, Ye are of your father the devil. Satan does not waste any time in deceiving mankind. While they were still in captivity before they came back, these systems were already being established. And the Jews then were led astray so that by the time that Jesus came around, it was no longer about paganism. It was no longer about the Jews following after that. But Satan had gotten in and he had so corrupted the teachings and the way things were supposed to be and, and, and took the, the worship and the devotion from being about God to being about the law and the keeping of the law. And so they had convinced themselves that they were right before God. It's just amazing to me how that when you think of those prophets of Baal during Elijah's time, that they should, it's easy for us to picture them as being children of the devil, right? They were wicked, horrible idolaters. But here are the Pharisees 
Keepers of the law. And Jesus tells them, you are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. The same thing has happened in Christianity. It did, it did not take long at all in the time of the early church for false doctrine and things to creep in. And where's that come from? What's the source of it? What's the source of it? 2 Corinthians 11 says this, For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Any form of religion, I don't care if it's forms of Christianity, when it takes away from the, when the, the gospel message in these religious institutions is corrupted, it's of the devil. Yes. It's a perversion. And so, um, 1 Timothy says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressive in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. The main takeaway here in this passage is that there are such things as seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. John 2, 1 John 2.21 says, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. And so we can see how Satan works it was nearly instantaneously after the establishment of the church and the gospel going to the Gentiles that he shifted gears and began introducing new false teachings with new false teachers in within right. Christianity. Where are we at in religion today? Worldwide, where are we at in religion today? Is there not a flavor for every ethnicity in every language? Has not Satan provided a way for man to um, worship God in his own way? The Pharisees in particular, let's look at them. The Pharisees in particular, he said, Ye do the deeds of your fathers. The deeds of your father. They were constantly, the Pharisees throughout his ministry, they were constantly tempting Jesus. Look at verse 5 in our chapter, um, in chapter 8. It says in verse 5, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? Notice this, this they said tempting him that they might have to accuse him. The Pharisees and the religious leaders throughout his ministry were trying to cause him to sin. If he sinned, he would not be the son of God. Is this not the works of the devil? What was the first thing that Satan did when Jesus began his earthly ministry? He took the Lord out himself and tempted him. Yes. And, uh, oh, and uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, another thing I want us to notice, the scribes and the Pharisees did not care for the souls of men. They were religious. They were responsible. For, they were supposed to be responsible for caring about the souls of men. But they did not care. We see throughout his ministry, they did not care about people. They did not care about the souls of men. When Jesus healed, they resented not only Jesus, but they resented those that he healed. Think about that. Where was their love? Well, they have something in common there with Satan as well. Satan hates all of God's creation. Every last little aspect of God's creation. And he hates human beings. He has neither empathy nor sympathy. And these religious leaders who should care about people did not care about people at all. They eventually would kill Jesus. He said, you seek to kill me. And eventually Jesus was killed. The primary mission of Satan during his, Jesus' life, even as a child, when Joseph and Mary had to flee to Egypt, was to destroy Jesus. In verse 40 of our chapter, Jesus said, But now ye seek to kill me. And then notice the last verse of this chapter. After Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. He, it says in, in uh, the last verse of this chapter, Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. 
So we see that when Jesus said, ye do the works of your father, the devil, they literally were doing the same exact deeds that Satan himself did. And so um, we may say, well, it's easy to see why Jesus could say that of the Pharisees. But he would never say that about me. Well, let's, now let's, let's go over to Ephesians chapter 2 and go back to that passage that I read earlier where Paul, as a former Pharisee, is writing to a bunch of former heathens and pagans and idol worshipers. You remember in Ephesus is where they were uh, superstitious and they, when they were saved, they took all their books and everything and, 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 the, and the high value of them and they took them out and they burned them. But they were superstitious, godless, heathen, pagan people. Now keep that in mind as we're reading this. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past ye walked according to the course. The word course here is the age of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom, and notice he includes himself in this, among whom we all had our conversation in time past, in the lusts of our flesh. Notice, but I thought, I thought he was a Pharisee. I thought he was a, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. But he includes himself in this. He comes from a completely opposite, polar opposite religious background. As you got pagans on this side, a bunch of superstitious, godless people who know nothing about the God of the Bible. And you have over here a Pharisee, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. But here's the root cause, the root problem with all man. Among whom we all had our conversation in time past. In the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. He says, we walked according to the course of this world. We walked according to the age of the world into which we were born. Things change. Throughout the history of the world, different societies are different, different methods of worship, different philosophies, different religions. The religions that were in Ephesus at that time are no longer around today. Things have morphed, things change, and so forth. Um, the culture, the traditions, the entertainment, and all those things, they change <clears throat> from one age to another. But they all have these things in common, that they're godless at their core. And man is just fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. But there is something behind this. There is something behind this course that is in the world. He says, we walked according to the age of this world into which we were born. What is the source of all this, though? The trends, the music, the entertainment, the philosophies of men. There are different philosophies today than there were in the 1500s and that there were in the year 1000. Uh, You've got socialism, you've got Marxism that, that came along, you've got Darwinism that came along in the 1800s. There's, there's all these philosophies that men come up with that are godless at their core, um, and, uh, <clears throat> but they come along. There's new religions, there's new forms of Christianity. Where did the Jehovah's Witnesses come from? Where did the Mormons come from? Where did This is all recent. And so people are, were born into the world that we're born in. We didn't, we didn't come up with this system. It's there. And so we see it as we get older. We see what happens with young people. Young people are born into this world the way it is. And then they just get in. They're all going downstream with everybody else. And they just get in where they fit in. And they line up with whatever ideology, whatever religion, whatever entertainment, whatever walk of life. They get in with whatever appeals to their flesh whatever will make them comfortable, and they just get into this system, but this system is of the devil. Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with God. Yeah, right. And so what man has, what I'm trying to get the point across today is that when you get in where you fit in and you just do what makes you feel good, you're in lockstep with Satan's system. Yeah. We, he says, we walked before we were saved. And praise God, we're no longer there. But he says, past tense, we walked. And he's including himself as a Pharisee. He says, we walked according to the prince 
and the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. It's like, now wait, I thought I was in control. Young people will be like, well, I thought I was being original. Everybody always wants to be original and have the new idea and all these things. No, you're in lockstep with the system that's already in place. It's been around since the beginning of time, but it morphs and changes. What was going on before the flood just started over from scratch after the flood. And man went right back to worshiping idols and things made with his own hands and and his own forms of entertainment and adultery and fornication and, and lying and murder and kidnapping. These have all been problems of mankind from the beginning. But Satan creates different platforms in which man can do these things and indulge himself. And so, um, I touched on it a little bit already, but what is really behind new religions and new philosophies? How does one man, such as Karl Marx, have such lasting influence? How about Darwinism? One guy pops up on the scene, and all of a sudden, by the 1950s, the U.S. government is adopting that into their school system as this is science. How does that happen? It's of the devil. It's supernatural. I've talked with people before who I consider, I I look at a, a religion like Mormonism. Joseph Smith was executed by the age of 39. I'm 49. He was extremely motivated. What drove him? Where, how can a person, listen, all of, for all of us that are older now, we understand you can only do so much in a day, right? How does somebody, by the age of 39, before the age of the internet, before social media, how does somebody create a religion from scratch? Literally from scratch, a perversion of what's there, but this new concoction of these things and get people to follow you, And it just explodes like it does. Denying the deity of Christ. It is a false religion. It's out of the pit of hell. It's that simple. Satan uses human beings. What about Muhammad? He died at the age of 62. It's not like he lived to be 150 and had all this time to create a religion. He died at the age of 62. How does Muhammad, in his short life, Create a religion like that that has done what it's done and become what it's become. It's out of the pit of hell. Its origin was not in his brain. It was in Satan's mind. And it is Bible to believe that these false religions and false doctrines are of the devil. And so it is supernatural, in fact, how these things take place. And people who have bought into these religions that deny Christ... All Christ-denying philosophies and religions and every philosophy that hates the Word of God, contradicts the Word of God, is of the devil. And so, if you have bought into those and you're following those, you're in lockstep with the devil. It should be scary. It should be really scary. This is what's really going on in the world today. And then he goes on and he says in verse 3, among whom we all had our conversation. This is our way of life. Among whom we all had our conversation. We do it in different ways. But we, all human beings, like I said, they think they're original. We we all have our different ways of doing things, but deep down, we're fulfilling the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We are self-serving. The natural man is just a god. To himself. I want to, I, I can admit that I actually confessed with my mouth before the Lord saved me. I, I was proud of the fact that I did what I want, when I want, how I want. It didn't end, I didn't end up landing in a good place and it was self-destructive, but that's how I lived. I just admitted it. And, uh, oh, but that is, that's all men. That's all natural men. There's a reason why people don't want to repent and trust in Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. It's because they want to keep doing what they want to do when they want, how they want. It's that simple. That's of the devil. Yeah. And so um, you, he, Jesus said in that passage in John, you do the works of your father, the devil. And Satan has been a rebel from the beginning. Yes. And, um, and, and mankind is plenty willing to go along with, with those philosophies. Um, 
This conversation, it says we all had our conversation in time past. Another uh, way, if you look at the Greek there, the conversation is the idea, I like this, the idea of busying oneself, the way of life, our way of life. We all had our way of busying ourselves, distracting ourselves by rushing headlong into sin. Uh, Brother Hogue was mentioning in Sunday school, why is it that so many young people, suicides are high and so many people are overdosing on drugs and so forth? Why is alcoholism and drug abuse and everything so high? Because people are trying to escape the pain in their life. Not physical pain necessarily, but all the emotional pain, the misery, they look around, they're unhappy, they try to fulfill it. There's, there's one aspect of society that's trying to fulfill the <coughs> desires of the flesh and the desires and lusts of the mind, and they do it through drugs and alcohol and escapism and then there's others who do it through being adrenaline junkies and going after fun and it's and it's life risking and they die too but they all have their reason for why they're doing what they're doing their way of life their distraction and they're just rushing headlong into sin fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind can anyone here testify to the truth of this statement about your life previous to your salvation were you not just fulfilling the That's desires right. of the flesh That's and right. of the mind. Yeah. You just did what you wanted. Yeah. I was that way. And I'm so glad today that God has rescued me out of the clutches of Satan and out of that system. Right. And that I have a new life. Yeah. I have new goals. I'm on the narrow path. And I'm not on the path that leads to destruction. It's, we can rejoice in that. And that's what Paul's doing here in Ephesians chapter 2. It's with rejoicing that he writes about this deliverance that we've had. As I begin to close up, I want to note in this passage the two types of children that are in this passage who follow after the life principles of the devil. There's, it's called the children of disobedience and the children of wrath. Mm. Paul says that's what we were. We were the children of disobedience and the children of wrath. Disobedience. The devil has paved the way I mean, he's laid it out smooth for the disobedient in this world. You're disobedient at heart? Satan has a way. He's got a path. It seems easy, but it leads to destruction. And uh, you're already disobedient. Satan's helping you along your way. You have to recognize Satan wants every last human being. He hates everything that God has created, and he hates humanity. And he wants every last human being to spend eternity in hell with him. Because that's where he's going. His, his demise, his end, he knows it. It's declared in the word of God. And he wants everyone going there with him. And he's going to provide these religions and these distractions and these pleasures and the platform for man to just do what he naturally wants to do. The devil's not making you do anything you don't actually want to do. But he provides the systems you have the heart of a rebel from birth. Yes. From birth. Yes. And Satan has the world system custom fit just for you. It's custom fit just for you. If you are a person who thinks you are good, I've always been a good person. Um, he has all the self-righteous tools for your choosing. He has all these, all tons, almost every religion relies on good works to get to heaven. Pretty much every false religion, except for true Christianity, relies on, I've got to do enough good to outweigh the bad. I don't care what religion it is. He's got a path for you if you think that you can earn your way to heaven. There's a lot to pick from. No wonder religion is so confusing for so many people because with this huge smorgasbord, I mean, it's like walking into an all-you-can-eat buffet and it's like, I don't even know where to start because, well, Islam seems to have some good things and, you know, Hindus seem to have some good things and Buddhism, well, that, that's a beautiful religion. And there's like all these selections out there. How do you know which, which religion is really the right one? And if you really get in, you start studying, you realize, well, they all have a purgatory. They do. All religions have purgatory of some form or another. Oh, they all have good works. They all have a way that you can please God, make yourself right to God. And if you don't get it right this time, you'll get it right next time. And so oh, Satan has, he's, he's got custom fit religion just for you if you're self-righteous. If you uh, 
have religious inclination, and yet you are an immoral, ungodly person, Satan also has false religion, masked as Christianity, that says obedience to God's word is optional. Jesus loves everybody as they are, and repentance is not necessary. Satan has that too. Because there's a lot of people that want to go to heaven, and they believe that Jesus is real, but they have no desire to repent from their sin. They want to keep living how they're living. And similar to what Pastor Brother Hogue was talking about in Sunday school, when we were in Colorado this last time, I was, oh, we were down there for a month, and Rachel and I were doing a lot of driving around and, uh, for work, and we noticed several, if not many, churches that have the rainbow flag outside with a sign and encouraging people that, you know, all are welcome, Jesus loves everyone, we're all inclusive, and all this thing. But listen, God saves people, he does say, not he can, he saves people from every single walk of life. He saves every single kind of sinner. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He could save anybody. If he saved me, I believe he can save anybody, no matter how wicked they are. But it's, there's a big difference in preaching that kind of gospel and leading people to think that they're okay with Jesus regardless of how wicked they are. Yeah. And Satan has provided, in just, it's just speeding up with rapidity, the number of churches, Christian churches, that don't preach repentance. Satan's behind that. Yep. If you are a violent, <coughs> wicked person... And you don't care about religion at all. There are not just platforms for you to indulge in, in violence and, and the lust of the flesh and the lust of your mind and the desires of your wicked mind. It's things such as gangs and a life of crime and all those. See, if you're born to this world and you end up growing up and you just have a natural inclination to, to that way of life and you're a violent, mean person, there's already platforms there for you. Go join a gang. Go be a part of a club that embraces that. You see how wicked our world is? There's something there for everybody. But what's sad is there's also, you could be a naturally violent, wicked person who is really entertained by these kind of things. It's what's really in your heart. But now you can also entertain and waste your life away in front of a video monitor fantasizing about being violent even if you're weak and malnourished. You don't even have to be a tough biker anymore. You can just pretend and spend the majority of your life in fantasy land, being violent in the imaginations of your mind. Satan is just providing a way for every single aspect of life. And then he says, as we wrap up, he says the children of wrath. They're children of disobedience, and the children of disobedience are the children of wrath. He says by nature... We were the children of wrath, even as others. Once again, praise God, this is past tense. We were the children of wrath. John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. And earlier in that same passage says in, in verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And I love this aspect that just because you are in a condemned state today does not mean you have to be in a condemned state tomorrow. Because if you do not believe today, Tonight, if you will only believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will no longer be a child of wrath. You will no longer be in a state of condemnation. But while you are yet in your unbelief, you are in a state of condemnation. If you die now, you will die in your sins. And I'm going to get that to that in a minute. And that is not a place where we want to be. When we die, we had better die having been forgiven. Because we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. But until a person believes, he is under condemnation. There's hope. There is hope. I have one more thing of bad news before I get to the really good news. The lake of fire 
is the destination of every soul who dies in their sins. Without the forgiveness of sins, it is the lake of fire. Hell is real. I was asked by a Seventh-day Adventist one time, you can preach, but just don't mention anything about hell. That's of the devil. That's of the devil. Hell is real. Satan doesn't want preachers preaching about hell. And there's a lot of forms of Christianity that will water down or just flat out deny hell. But hell is real. The lake of fire specifically. Matthew 25, 11 says, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Notice this, though. Prepared for the devil and his angels. That's who hell, that stood out to me. A long time ago, it registered with me that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And I think everybody here would agree that the devil deserves hell. The devil's angels deserve hell. They're extremely wicked. But if you lived your entire life hating God, wanting to serve yourself, and you served the devil, you did the works of the devil, then why in the world would you go to heaven? You go to the place that Jesus prepared for the devil and his angels. You have no place in heaven because you actually, as I started my message, you have as a lost person, you have more in common with the devil than you do with God. These are realities. Isn't it? It is amazing that people have no problem with the devil going to hell. He should go to hell. But they don't want to admit that they deserve hell also. It is key to being saved that you must realize that you are under condemnation. And the only way in which you will get out of your state of condemnation is to just trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. And so um, there is hope. There is hope for children of the devil. There's always hope. There is the good news of the gospel. Go back to the scribes and Pharisees of Jesus' time. And as I've said, people usually don't, especially in Christian backgrounds, they don't have any problem with Jesus telling the Pharisees that they were of their father the devil. (laughs) They deserve hell. But in John 8, 24, earlier in that passage, Jesus had said, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if, but there's an if here. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Even speaking to the Pharisees. Listen, Pharisee, child of the devil. If you believe that I am he, you will not die in your sins. The key here is that, and Jesus preached salvation. I love what Scott said when he was here. He's preaching and and he told them in another passage, he told the Pharisees, I'm telling you these things so that you might believe. And in this very passage where he told them they were of the devil, he said, I say to you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. There's your out. Believe that I am the son of God. Believe that I came to pay the penalty for your sin. Believe I am the Messiah of the Old Testament, Mr. Pharisee. And if you do that, you will not die in your sins. Did Jesus save any who initially rejected him? Yes. Did he save Pharisees? Yes. Nicodemus was one of them. Paul was one of them. I'm going to point out some people that Jesus saved who rejected him. And then he saved them. And while I'm reading these off, think back to yourself and how many times did you hear the gospel? Sometimes people are saved the first time they heard the gospel. How many times did you reject Jesus Christ and walk out that back door before you were finally saved? He could have struck you dead after you you just flat out rejected him and said, I will not have this man to rule over me. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life. But he didn't. Look at these people whom Jesus saved. After they rejected him and scoffed him and mocked him. While he hung on the cross. Remember there were two thieves. And in one, in, in one of the passages it says that both of them. The, the people on the ground were mocking him and saying. If you really be the Christ. Come down off the cross. You could save others. Save yourself. 
And it says that the both of them, both malefactors on either side, it says they cast the same in his teeth. Both of them. We usually just think about there was one good one and one bad one. No. When they both those thieves got up on the cross, at first, they both were mocking him in their condition. But God worked in the heart of one. And somehow that man, as the longer he was on the cross with Jesus, he somehow saw Jesus as God. And he said, this man, we deserve what we're getting. And that's where you have to get if you want to be saved. I deserve what's coming to me. But God can save me. And the thief looked at the other man and told him, listen, stop. He actually told the other thief, stop doing what you're doing. We deserve it. This man is innocent. And then he had so much faith that even though Jesus was hanging on the cross as a man, he's hanging, bleeding, dying. And yet he told Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What a miracle has been worked in the heart of a man where he can look at a dying human being and know that he has a kingdom. And he tells Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He saw him as God. He saw him as the son of God. What a miracle. But he And Jesus, here's the, the lovely part. Jesus told him, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. No longer under condemnation. No longer getting what he actually deserves. Yes, he died a physical death, but so will you, so will we all. He died for his crime. But he has eternal life. He has eternal life. Because he believed that Jesus was the Christ. This is the whole issue with the Pharisees. They refused to believe that he was the Christ. So, a man who was scoffing Jesus, rejected Jesus... There on the cross, he went to heaven. The Jews, as my next example, the Jews as a whole rejected him. And multitudes at the base of the cross scoffed and said, Others he could save, but himself he cannot save. If thou be the Christ, come down. Remember how the multitudes, when Pilate, they had Barabbas, and here's this this horrible criminal, and he said, Let me release him unto you. And they said, No, release us unto him. And they cried, crucify him, crucify him. The Jews wanted to see Jesus crucified. Not just the priests. The Jews did. But think about this. Just just days later, not even 90 days later, on the day of Pentecost, Peter said, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus, notice this, whom you have crucified. They literally crucified their Savior. And he said, that God hath made this same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And then we know, we're familiar with how they said, oh, how they panicked basically and said, you know, well, what do we do now? And Peter told them, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized and thou shalt receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it says in verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. We're very familiar with the day of Pentecost, but do we ever really recognize that those 3,000 souls were made up of people who just days earlier had said, crucify him, crucify him. Uh, They had rejected their Savior. And yet Jesus saved them. And they they were rejoicing. And in this passage, it says, they that gladly received his word were baptized. And it was in that same city that we see that within just a few months, the church in Jerusalem grew to at least 10,000 people. They were all Jews. They were all people who had hated the Lord Jesus Christ at one point. What about the priests and the religious leaders? What about those in the passage that we're reading today? The priests and religious leaders who incited Pilate and the Gentile leaders to crucify the Lord. It was the priest who paid Judas to betray Christ. Throughout his ministry, the priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, they all came to him doing the works of the devil, tempting him, hating him, tried to kill him multiple times, finally succeeded in having him crucified. And then notice this in Acts chapter 6. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests 
were obedient to the faith. Even, I can't help but wonder how many even of those whom Jesus was talking to in the passage in John chapter 8 when he said, you're of your father the devil. And he told them, if you will only believe in me, you will die in your sins. But if you believe in me, this is the key. There was a great company of the priests who were obedient to the faith. There were Pharisees that were saved. Paul being one of them. What was one of Paul's What's one of the things that he's known for the most? He confessed with his own mouth. He hated that way. He hated the Lord Jesus Christ. He persecuted the church, hauling men and women off to prison. That was from his own mouth. And yet Jesus Christ saved his soul. Paul would confess. He did confess in, in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were all of that way. We were the children of wrath. We were the children of disobedience. We did do the works of the devil. But once we're saved, we are delivered from the clutches of the devil and hell. Jesus came to give life to the spiritually dead. There is literally nobody he cannot save. Listen to these words as I close in Revelation 21. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Notice that. We have a new father, God the Father. And the invitation, what a wonderful thing it is to consider that God has said, whoever comes to me, the devil no longer has to be your spiritual father. That path of destruction, wickedness, that horrible destiny that's ahead of you, let me be your father. Be my son. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, and unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I ask you this morning, do you have a father in heaven? Or are you still following the devil on the pathway to hell? It's only, it's only one of two things. Mm-hmm. Repent of your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And be baptized confessing him as your Savior. What a wonderful life it will be if you do, Pastor. Yeah.